Hey there, friend. I'm Susan, and this is the Spark Chasers Podcast, a series dedicated to the educational changemakers who embrace creativity, seek out challenges, and collaborate on solutions. This is a show for any educator looking to explore the creative side in the classroom, business, and life. So grab a cup of caffeine, your favorite flare pen, and let's chat about what's now and what could be next. Well, hey there, friend. Welcome back to another episode of Spark Chasers. I'm your host, Susan Riley. Now, if you're looking for a new job, today's episode is going to be so helpful. We are in that season, my friends. We are in that season of interviews and looking around and seeing if there are other options available. And particularly after this year, I know a lot of people are really looking at all of the options that they have available to them. So whether that's to stay in education or to shift maybe to something that you have been wanting to do or even might be excited about or could just give you a break after a really stressful past couple of years. So um, with that in mind, I'm going to dive into my best interview tips for landing your dream job, whatever that looks like. Having interviewed for more positions than I can count, including things in teaching, administration, and in businesses, um, and being the one on the opposite side of the table doing the hiring. We actually just went through a, a big hiring process for our own organization, and I've done this multiple times. Um, these are the suggestions th- that I have found to be most successful in getting the job that you want. So I'm really excited to share them with you today. I hope that these are going to help you as you pursue whatever it is that you are excited about. So let's get started. So first, the first thing I always suggest is to create a list of your strengths and weaknesses, which is really basic, right? Yeah, we are totally getting back to basics, but it is really important to remind yourself what you're good at and what's a challenge for you. Because often we get into the routine of our own jobs, right? We get into the routine of what we do and we kind of inherently know what we like, what we don't like, what we're good at, what we're not good at. But when you're looking for a new position somewhere, it's really critical that you know those things for yourself. Because no matter what job you may apply for, chances are they're going to ask you that question, right? Like, what are your greatest strengths? And what would you consider to be your weaknesses? And the reason that they ask that question is one, they want to make sure that you know yourself. And two, they're looking to ensure that this is going to be a good fit for you as well. Nobody wants to hire someone that they know is going to do poorly in a position. They don't want to set you up for failure and you don't want to set yourself up for failure, right? Plus, by writing down your strengths and weaknesses, you get the added bonus of clarity when it comes to knowing exactly what you're looking for in your next position. Is it something that really plays to your strengths or are you looking for a new challenge to tackle? Maybe you really want to go after something that you consider to be a weakness for yourself because you want a challenge. You're tired of of just being able to do what you're good at. You really want to stretch yourself, right? Um, so having that list is going to help you decide, and it's also going to save you time by weeding out the choices that don't meet your particular 
goals. So start by creating that list of strengths and weaknesses. Then from there, create your personal mission statement. Now, this sounds weird, right? Because when we think about mission statements, if you're in a building, oftentimes this is something that administrators, particularly new administrators, do um, they because it's what's taught in administrator school, my friends. <laughs> it is the first thing that is taught, which is to create a mission statement that it's one of the five pillars of leadership is having a mission statement for your school. And so oftentimes they'll bring everybody together and decide what is our mission statement going to be? Um, and if you are moving out of, of schools and headed towards a business opportunity, businesses thrive on mission statements. Like this is something that they do and they continually work on and it's what drives them, right? So it sounds kind of weird to have a personal mission statement because you don't want it to be corny, right? But mission statements are not just for businesses and school leadership rituals. According to author Donald Miller, who also um, is an entrepreneur, has a very successful business on his own, um, he writes that having a personal mission statement is crucial to ensuring that the job you're seeking is the job that's the best fit for you. Because after all, if you're going to go to all the effort to seek out a new position, wouldn't you want it to be something you'd actually enjoy and feel alignment with your goals and personality, right? This goes back to our strengths and weaknesses list. Now, listen, I know that sometimes we just need a job and I can't tell you <laughs> how many times I hear from teachers. I, I literally just heard from one over the weekend that said they were suddenly let go or their position has been folded um, and they don't know what to do and they're kind of in a tailspin. And all they know is that they just need to get a new job. Listen, we have all been there in some capacity, even if it was just after you graduated college and you didn't quite know what was happening yet, right? It's a scary place to be. And so thinking about taking time to create a personal mission statement when you're in that kind of a situation feels like it's a luxury, right? But I'm here to tell you that even in those situations, it's important to know who you are, what you want, and how you work best. And that, my friends, is really all that a personal mission statement helps to clarify. Listen, if you just need income coming into the door and you're going to go get a job at Home Depot, that is cool. We get that, right? But even in that situation, you have to know who are you? Like, what are your skills? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Who who are you at your core? What do you want? Do you want to stay in that job or is this a means to an end, right? And how do you work best? Do you want the morning shift? Do you want the night shift? Where is, when do you work best? How do you work best? Do you like to be with a lot of people, not a lot of people? Um, Knowing those things about yourself, even if it's just a job to get income in the door, is going to help you long term, right? So to begin with a personal mission statement, consider what you most love doing so much that you do it for free, right? What is the thing that no matter if somebody paid you or not, you would do it, right? This is your dream job. That's where you start. You imagine your dream job. This is the thing that you would love the most, now, think about the elements of that dream job that speak to you. What's, what is it about that dream job that you just thought about 
right? That you would do even if somebody didn't pay you to do it. What about that gets you most excited, right? Is it the flexibility? Is it or having a chance to be really organized or not be really organized, right? To be really kind of scattered. Is it the ability to work with adults or the ability to work with children, right? These are the qualities of work that align with your personal preferences. So even if you're not going after your dream job, I hope that you are, but even if you are not going after your dream job and you just need something different, imagining that dream job and then thinking about what is it about that that really lights me up, that's going to help you find the jobs that you're looking for, right? Or even just to get your foot in the door to know those things, right? So that's something to, to think about. And then consider what quality of life you want to have and how the work you do could contribute to that ideal. So if when you think about quality of life, are you thinking about being able to be home when your kids get off the bus in the afternoons? Are you thinking about um, being able to sleep in and work towards the afternoon and the evening hours because that's when you really really work best and you love being able to take your time in the mornings and not be so scattered and stressed, right? Do you like to be able to turn off work on the weekends? Do you want to work on the weekends and not have to work throughout the week? Think about the quality of life that you want to have and how the work that you're doing is going to contribute to that. So thinking about all of those things, that's going to contribute to your personal mission statement. Now, how do you actually write the personal mission statement? And I'm going to encourage you actually write it down because when you write it down, it solidifies it. It makes it real and it really helps to zero in then on the jobs that you want to go after. So writing a personal mission statement, it's as simple as writing out a formula. So the formula is this, who you are plus what you want to do plus what you want to accomplish equals your why, all right? So when you write your mission statement, your personal mission statements, those are the four elements you're looking for, who you are, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, and your why. So here's an example, okay? You have to be really specific um, because you want to make sure that you have identified, here's what I want to do, right? Here are the things, and it's not just random out there. I am an educator, an educator of what? Tell me where you want to teach. What do you want to teach? What field? What level, right? So here's an example. I'm an elementary teacher who will use arts integration to help provide hands-on learning experiences to support all students. I do this because I believe all children deserve an outstanding education no matter their background circumstances. All right, let me break that down for you within our formula. I'm an elementary teacher. That's who you are. Who will use arts integration to help provide hands-on learning experiences. That's what you want to do. To support all students, which is what you want to accomplish. Then you have, I do this because I believe all children deserve an outstanding education, no matter their background circumstances. That's your why. So there's your formula. Who you are, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, and your why. Now, I want you to notice something really specific in here. I didn't use flowery language. I didn't use like all of this nuance that makes it sound really good. I got to the point and I was really clear because you are not impressing anybody here, my friend. You are making this for yourself. So you got to get clear on what it, who you are, 
what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, and why. And once you do that, you are going to have such clarity in the job that you're going to go seek and whether or not it's a good fit for you. And then once you know that, then you can go to step three, which is to proactively seek out positions and places that align with your goals. You know, yeah, there is a one in a million chance that the perfect job is going to fall out of the sky for you. But more than likely, (laughs) you're going to need to look for what you want. So here is the good news. There's always something that's the right fit for you somewhere. Even when you think that you've been looking and looking and looking and you can't find anything, I promise you somewhere, if you have done that background work on yourself, your list of strengths and weaknesses, and you have a personal mission statement, you have such clarity, you know exactly what you're looking for. And there is something out there that's going to be a good fit for you. So I'm going to encourage you to start with an online job search. Do not, if you are a teacher and you're going to look for other education jobs, okay, do not limit yourself to the school websites or the job areas on school websites. Don't do that. Go on to someplace like Schoolspring, um, Indeed, Glassdoor. Those school districts that you're looking at, they publish yes to their website, but also to all of the online job search areas. And I guarantee you, there are people who are looking for those same jobs and they have, um, you know, keywords that will notify them, kind of like a Google search that will notify you um, when something that you've, you've searched for is available on the web. They have those on those job searching sites. So go to those job sites, select a handful, not every single one, but a handful like Schoolspring, Indeed, Glassdoor, and then take a look for job positions in the area that you want and set up a notification on each of those sites so that you are notified as soon as a job comes available with the keywords that you have set, okay? Um, Also, reach out to your social networks and ask if there are any positions opening up in the content that you want to focus on and keep your options open. You never know where opportunity is going to lead you. But also remember to always look for positions which align with your goals and values, which is why we did all that work with your personal mission statement and your strengths and weaknesses. Okay, because even if the position isn't what you had in mind, if it aligns with your goals and values, it will be worth taking. All right. Next up, once you have, let's say you've identified the job that you want, and yes, you've gotten an interview. Now it's time for the three P's, prepare, practice, present. And if you listened to my podcast last week, you will know that these are the same three P's that we talk about in STEAM education. They work for almost everything, my friends. Prepare, practice, present. So preparation is going to get you halfway to your goal. Practice and presentation is going to take you almost the rest of the way. And then the last 5% is totally out of your control. There's nothing that you can do about that last 5%, right? So let's focus on preparation first. You need four things. First, you need to create a clear and concise portfolio of work. And my friends, I'm not talking about a big binder. Don't don't bring in this big binder of stuff because nobody's going to look at it. They might flip through a couple of things if they find something interesting. Okay, they might take a look at it 
portfolios like that are great after a program. And when you have a relationship with an administrator already or a, a leader already and say, hey, take a look at this, just glance at it, see what this can do for us and move on, right? When you're in an interview though, when I say a clear, concise portfolio of work, I mean, I want you to select your top five things, the top five products that you have done in your career, put them in there, have your resume on top, They're probably going to flip through that resume because they've already seen it, right? But it's always good practice to have it on there so that they have talking points if they need them. And then five things that they can look at and see tangible results. That's it. Okay. Don't go into explanations of them. Even better is if you have images or a video file or something that they can visually see the outcome, because what that will do is it'll prompt them to ask questions about it. You don't need to explain it, right? Um, have them get excited about it and then ask you questions. Treat those products as a prompt for people to ask you more information about it. Be ready to answer some tough questions. We're going to get into this in a minute. But the whole point of an interview is to put you on the spot. So be ready for that. Practice that, right? Prepare for those tough questions. Think about questions that would be really uncomfortable for you to answer and then get your answer ready for it. Research as much about the position and place as you can. I'm going to go into that in more detail as well because I don't think enough people do this. You know, you do some, some you know, cursory research at a glance of the institution or the place, but it, it's not enough. And I'm going to give you an example of that in a minute. I really want you to take the time to research as much as you can and know what you would do to take the job to the next level. So here's the thing. I want you to do your homework if possible and get to know the team. Research the individuals in an organization on their website, view their profiles, go into LinkedIn. If they have a LinkedIn profile, take a look at that. Really do some deep research into the people in that organization and be prepared to ask them questions about their current projects and know how you could support them in this position. Get them to visualize you sitting in this position that they're hiring for? Can they see you in that chair? And here's the thing, when you know, when you do that research, people feel way more comfortable with you. And if you can tailor it and customize your interview to them and be able to offer that um, right up front, it takes so much weight off of the interview panel because they feel good right away about you sitting in that chair and they can see you. So I have two examples of that. So when I first went to my interview for my very first arts integration specialist position, I did a lot of research on the district. And I realized as I was going into the the research and they had gotten large grants to support arts integration, they had developed um, this great arts integration middle school program, but they didn't have a whole lot at the elementary level. They didn't have hardly anything at the high school level. And so when I was researching this, um, I realized that what they were lacking was a, you know, a vertical alignment. They had this wonderful model at the middle level, but they didn't have elementary schools that would feed into that model. And they didn't have any high schools. So when students went from that model to the high school program, they didn't have 
the continuation. And so I realized that's where I could start. That was what I was going to bring to the table. And so I acknowledged that in the interview, like you guys have this amazing middle school program. What I would love to build is a, a group of maybe four to five elementary schools that would feed into that, that middle school, build their arts integration and program. And I would start by providing these strategies and then linking that directly into their curriculum for them. So creating those lessons so that they feel really good about it. And then those students could then feed into the middle school program that you have that's going great. And then the high school program that goes after that middle school would then lead naturally into some arts integration programs and some um, scheduling com components. And the middle school and the high school teachers could work together. That would help them to bridge that gap between the students. You know, the whole thing. I was able to tell them that in my interview. And Later, after I had gotten the position, what people on that interview panel told me was that nobody else had done that. Nobody else who had interviewed there, everybody else had prepared themselves. Like, here's why I'm a good arts integration specialist. Here's my training. Here's what I specialize in. But nobody had done the research on the district and what they already had and could cast a vision for what they could help them do next. And so when I tell you to research, it's not just knowing the background information, it's being able to take that information, fill in the gaps and cast a vision for where they could go with you in that driver's seat. Here's another example. We just hired uh, a wonderful sales, uh, a sales personnel. And one of the things that we recognized in the interviews right away was that some of the folks who came in for an interview, they had done some research on our organization, just some, some basic uh, information. Um, but then they, when they came time for their interview, they just asked, okay, what's the interview component I'm going to present from my, my seat um, to you? And the person who ended up getting the job, what he did was ask for us to send him a sample district so that he could do some research in there and tailor his presentation as if he were presenting to that district. That made a huge difference for us because then we knew that that is what he was going to do when he stepped into that role long term. So when I tell you to do research, that's what I mean. I want you to go in, look at where they are, consider where their gaps are, and then think about, here's how I can do that for you. Here's how I can take that weight off of you. And they're going to begin to see you in that chair. Okay, so then once you do that, then work through your practice, right? So practice makes perfect, right? So you want to practice, practice, practice ahead of your interview. Think about how you're going to dress the way you would for an interview or the job, and then do that. Sit down with a friend, dress the way you would for that interview or the job, right? And have the, the friend go through a dress rehearsal with you. Give them the, some questions that you know would be really challenging questions so that, and have them kind of play with that role a little bit, but actually practice it right? The more you practice, the more comfortable and confident that you're going to be. It sounds funny to dress up for a dress rehearsal, but it's going to change how you present yourself. The clothes that you wear, how you walk into a room, all of that changes when you dress up for it. So do that as part of a dress rehearsal. Prior to walking in the room with the people in your interview panel, think about the qualities of a person that you would most like to work with. And then keep this vision in your mind as the panel asks you questions, right? Think about who would I want to be with? Who would I want to have sitting across from me? Be thinking about that as they're asking you questions because you're going to emulate that, right? More often than not, 
I have seen decisions be made based on whether the person would be a good fit in the organization and if they can work well with other people on the team. So if you think about who would you want to work with and you present that person, that is going to do so much good for you on that actual interview panel. Also, present your best self. Share confidently about your highlights and how you would address your areas of growth. Be sure to present how you, your unique qualifications can enhance what has already been built and how you plan to take your, that program to the next level. We talked about that. And always have a few questions about the program and the school to ask at the end of the interview. If there is a pet peeve that I have that I cannot stand as an interviewer, it's when I get to the end of the interview and say, what questions do you have for us? And the person sitting across me and says, I don't think I have anything right now. You've answered everything for me. No, I don't care if you've got to pull something out of the thin air. I want a question from you. I want to know that you've been listening and that based on what you've been hearing, that has prompted you to have some additional questions. Because if you don't have any questions for me, that means that you're not totally invested in this organization or how you fit in there, right? This really should be a softball at the interview table, but I am so surprised by how many people miss this crucial step, right? You just need to be able to read the room and adjust your approach to the questions accordingly. And of course, remember to be pleasant and confident, but not pushy when you're doing so. All right, that leads me to number five, which is to lead with what you've learned. Now listen, nobody likes a know-it-all. So when they ask you to tell them a little bit about yourself, start with what you've learned from your experiences and how that's brought you to their doorstep, right? Remember that as educators, we are the lead learners in a school. And even if you are heading into a different job, we want to have people in a job that's not in education. I'm telling you, businesses want to have people who are constantly willing to grow and learn, right? I would rather have that than somebody who knows absolutely everything about everything. Demonstrate that you take that understanding of being a lead learner seriously by sharing your knowledge and your willingness to keep growing. And then finally, tip number six is to take charge of your professional development. Are you a master in your subject matter or what it is that you're going after? Do you own that material? Because the first step to getting any position is in being the most competent individual for that area. I gotta know that you're gonna be competent in it. Does, if you need training, okay, that's, I can deal with that as an employer, but, because I can teach you the, the content, but if you really know your stuff already, Oh, that takes so much time and effort off of me as an employer, okay? Does the new job require a set of skills that you aren't confident in yet, okay? Is that, if so, would a certification program give you an edge? As you think about making the shift, consider what what professional development options would enhance your ability to not only to secure the job, but to thrive in that new role. So take a course or enroll in a certification program, even if it has to come out of pocket, because even if you're in the middle of that, as you walk into an interview, it shows that you have taken initiative, right? Everybody notices if you've taken the initiative to be the best prepared candidate. Now, while you can't control who an interview panel picks for their job candidate, you can control the artistry by which you approach the interview. And just like being on stage, you need to imagine that you're already 
in the role and bring your unique character to it. That last 5% is going to be out of your control. If you do everything that we just talked about, you'll nail 95% of your job interview. That last 5%, that's just going to be a personality component. There's nothing you can do about that. But my friends, if you focus on those other six tips, I promise you, you're going to at least be a finalist for those positions. Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts and questions about this topic. Remember, you can use the Ask Me Anything button on the podcast page to share with me your ideas and what's bubbling to the surface for you. Just head over to artsintegration.com forward slash spark chasers and you'll find today's show notes, which includes a a great download, uh, the contact area and links for more resources. And of course, if you're enjoying the show and know somebody else who could benefit from our discussions, please, please, please share the podcast with them because together we can chase the spark of our ideas and make a brighter future for everyone. I'll see you soon. Well, check that off your list, my friends. You just finished another episode of the Spark Chasers podcast. If you want more, head over to artsintegration.com forward slash spark chasers for show notes, a space to tell me what you thought of today's show and links to what we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This helps others find the show so we can all grow and learn together. Can't wait to get together again soon.